0: Yeah, on January 6, 2012, the Brisbane Heat hosted the Hobart Hurricanes. According to Buzz, he's claimed as a batting
1: all-rounder. We'll be catching all the big moments on KO Sports. The amount of potency in Clive a boy <laughs> and his mere presence. I do enjoy cricket. <laughs> <laughs> State of Play, we are live, Christmas special, the BBL has started and boy oh boy is it an exciting time to be a cricket fan. I'm Alistair Belling and I'm joined by two, not guests, but two different hosts to usual. Introduce yourself please, gentlemen.
0: After you, after me. Okay, uh, Nick, this is Nick. Nick, Nick Leonard. Is, Nick is back. And Ollie. Who's How good. not really featured apart from a background
1: voice in one <laughs> or two episodes. Well, that's good. We'll, we we have our fact-checking which will be running rampant today, boys. The BBL has started. The marquee event of the Australian summer now is underway. What are our first? Um, I tell you what. I love BBL.
2: It it always reminds me how much I do love it when it does come around. Um, first impressions. Uh, I'm not sure what the crowd stats are compared to normal. It, to me, it sounds it seems a little bit thin compared to normal. Any- they're, def-
1: they're definitely thin on the eastern seaboard, from what I've read on Twitter multiple times.
0: Well, I reckon my first impressions this year is. High scoring again. I think last year we didn't crack 200 in a single game. I have a stat about this. Awesome.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm so pumped, everyone. I've been I've been reading up on this. I've, I'm trying to use the Twitterverse a bit more. Follow me at Al underscore Belling. I've had a few likes from strangers recently. Um, but a stat that I saw on Twitter that I'm going to whip up now, there's been some big scores this year. Seven times in this past week has a team gone north of 170. Mm. That only happened three times before Christmas. Last year, so and they
0: started well before Christmas last year as well.
1: Exactly, so I, th- I think this is actually quite interesting. What what what's our read on what that means about how te- teams are maybe approaching, you know, the first innings or their chase now? Because this has happened a few times in chasing as well. We've had we've seen a couple of teams go north of one eighty and lose in a chase, which I think is quite remarkable.
0: My take is it could be the decks, the wickets. They've uh, last year they, I don't know. I don't know if it's decks or if it's teams just. Changing up how they go about bowling or go about batting—it's hard to say. Ten games in, exactly what the switch is for me for last year, but
2: for me, I, like uh, I know in previous years they have had a focus on regional cities, but there have been. I know they've done it in Alice Springs and and, and Moe. Where the hell is Moe? I think it's pronounced Moe. It's it's in Gippsland. So I'm not sure if it's smaller grounds as well, slash grounds that aren't played on as much. So there could be better wickets and smaller grounds.
1: I thought the Alice Springs ground looked freaking sick, by the way. It was like a game of cricket going down on the set of Breaking Bad or something. (laughs) It was unreal, you know, with the two sort of desert hills behind. Yeah. I just wonder how they get a read on the fact that Hobart is the home team. For a game like that. Yeah. And is and yeah. there, I mean, is is there any actual thing as home team advantage in that in that regard like will Hobart want to do a qualifier up in the NT surely yeah. not I, I th-
0: sure I think all of the teams are going on tour a bit this year and so I think they'd probably even it out
1: absolutely because
0: I think there's been games in Alice Springs there's one in Geelong one in Mo, wherever Moe
2: yep. yeah Gold Coast the same Gold oh, Coast. Yeah. yeah which Canberra was, and with the fixtures, it's been a little bit weird as well we you know just some teams that aren't very close by that are playing in these areas um, yeah it's just uh, I, I, I like it though I, I like
1: playing in regional areas I'm a big fan where would the expansion teams be because we did this a bit last year on the pod we were like which expansion team will we have in the BBL and I know that CA is actually very very keen on this idea mm. and Geelong and the Gold Coast are being looked at as the two main areas to expand to
2: I've got two yeah I've go got Canberra yep. I think Canberra deserves a team and bring back the comments Sorry, the comets. Yep. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the where's the BBL team and New Zealand?
1: Whoa. <laughs> like in the NRL. <laughs> yeah.
2: originally <Yeah. laughs> spat drink out when I said that.
1: <laughs> would, 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 would they play as New Zealand, or could you be super, super ultra, and go as Aora? Or what? well, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it,
2: it could be like the um, the is a Wellington Phoenix in the in the A League. Yeah. It could be yeah, something like that. The Christchurch
1: Crunches. Do or do
0: New Zealand have their own T Twenty format? They do.
1: The, the the only thing of note that I remember from the New Zealand T20 League is that Ian Smith's car got hit by a ball when he was on commentary once and it was a rental car. And I think that's the, that's the only time that anything from the New Zealand domestic league has made any sort of impact.
0: It could be cool to have like an all-star team from the Kiwi League Compete in the Big Bash, but I think that might be a bit demeaning on Kiwi it, cricket. A little, little hypothetical here. So, you know, how we have to have a certain amount of international players and
2: BBL teams. Mm. team. Would, would, would Australian nice players team. count as an international player for the New Zealand team?
0: Ooh,
1: Like if Steve Smith was to yeah. roll out for <laughs> Queenstown yeah. or whatever. I think, yeah, that, that, that is an interesting prospect. I feel like maybe depending if, if they were like a test player, they, a first class player, you'd probably have... A difference there, but but I mean, you know, some of the English players are big dogs in county and and T Twenty Blast over in England, mm. but they they still count as it too. So if you want to be consistent, I guess. Yeah. My
0: my go to uh, expansion team, I think. I mean, Geelong kind of makes sense. Um, but do you
1: think? I, I there's already two Melbourne teams.
0: Yeah, I know, and that's why I was going to say for me Wollongong as well.
1: I fully agree. Illawarra, I think, give them a team.
0: But but that then there would be three in New South Wales and Victoria, and I. Th- I feel like spreading the love a bit more could be more what they're looking for. I know there's lots of people in Victoria and New South Wales, but I think spreading the love, Gold Coast would make sense or a second Queensland team and a second South Australian team.
1: I my votes go for Canberra and a Papua New Guinean squad PNG. I think a, a, I think a PNG a, in. Seriously, I think a PNG eleven would be an awesome way to grow the game because P, You know, for for those who don't know, and if you're listening to this pod at the moment, I assume you probably do know PNG are coming out for the qualifiers for the T20 World Cup. Um, they they're make, like second qualifier things. Yeah, weird. For yeah, them. it's 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 they they. It's basically they're they're in the dance to go into the big dance, is how it's been described. But PNG cricket has come such a long way in the past in the past year. So I just think you know, what better way to to share the love as you were yeah. saying, on than bring them in. But look, boys, there's been a couple of other changes. We've had some rule changes this year, uh, notably, and we went through this last time on the podcast. We had the gold caps for top run scorer. Do you have who's wearing them? Oh, I would assume at the moment, I know Felipe was wearing it when Chris Lynn went off his head at the SCG. the Oh, actually,
0: I've got I've got the most runs at the moment. It's a tie. Really? Yeah. Okay. Weatherald because of his 83 last night. Yeah. At that time
1: of recording, this is Christmas Eve, so we're, we've just come off a huge clutch with the strikers and the scorchers.
0: He and Renshaw. Matthew Renshaw. Yeah, both have 125 yeah. runs.
1: Uh, Renshaw has played one extra inning.
0: Yeah. So. But they're averaging the same because yeah. they've got out the same amount of yeah. times. And it's wickets right For yeah. the
1: Yeah most wickets
0: So I, I would assume Creek Buzz has it as um, Harris Ralph Rolf yeah. Is that how you say his name The mm. uh, Guy who plays for the Stars Yeah Melbourne Stars Beautiful There, go.
1: there we go What do we think of the gold caps I'm actually I'm actually into it I wasn't into it like, <laughs> You I'm were hating
2: it, it. last I, time I In like the same day yeah. And like you know It changes who's wearing the hat You know kind of over. stuff Yeah My
0: favourite moment was it From it of it being in the competition was um, Usman, I think in the Ferguson was going to overtake him um, because Ferguson had made big runs in the first game. Uh, that He was being offered it by one of the uh, uh, on the ground commentators and he's like, no, nah, Calum will overtake me, no worry. I think he just didn't want to wear it. If no, I'm being totally. honest, but
1: well, Ferguson has been has been as well very outspoken that he feels like a dunce. I believe was the quote that he said about <laughs> wearing it. So you know the players might not be into it, but you know I I reckon it's so easy to be, to be negative about these things. But I'm I'm into it as well. So I can just I can just imagine a Channel Seven sponsor though like running after Alex Hales and being like, you have to wear it, Alex. It says it in your contract. And, <laughs> and anyway, so look, boys. I thought given it's the first week down, instead of going game by game because there'll be a lot of kind of monotony there. We don't want to drag this out too long because we have got an interview to get to with um, Andrew Menzel who works for the Daily Telegraph and is also a uh, host of his own podcast, Cricket Unfiltered. Before we get to that chat that we did with him, let's just go for each team and look at how they fared and that will sort of cover our entire, you know, Context, if you will, of where we're at at the moment with the tournament. So, Sydney Thunder, because they're out west, a big, big sound. My boys. First up, they beat the Heat by 29 runs, quite comfortably in the end, in the season opener up at the Gabattoir. uh They followed that up with a six wicket uh, victory over the Renegades, which I thought was incredibly impressive. And then, unfortunately, they had no result against Adelaide in Monica in what I thought was set up to be a cracker of a game due to smoke. That's an issue we'll definitely get to later on this episode. How do we see the Thunder at the moment? First handful of
0: games. I think their squad looks really strong. I think Wadja being not really an Australian contention is really good for the Thunder.
1: It's a bit shocking, I think, that he's out of the ODI squad, but I agree with you. Now that he's available for the full tournament, like what what better news for Callum Ferguson yeah. to hear?
0: And coming out and beating the Renegades for only the second time in nine seasons of cricket, huge! I
1: didn't even realize that. There, you um, go, there's a stat for you.
0: I, they're looking really good for me.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm really liking the look of the Sydney Thunder as well. Um, I think the the Heat was a really big win to get off get off the bat with because Heat, I think, historically a pretty big team. You know, and restricting them to only 143 as well. Um, they were really unlucky as well not to get the win against the Strikers too. You know, four balls. But well, they've won
0: against the Strikers. Yep. Oof. they're already ahead of the
1: number the, of the runs.
0: This yeah. happened to them last year as well, and it ruined it because um the lights turned off at the gather. That's right.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Callum Ferguson, I believe, was blowing up. Yeah, about about the lack of common sense that was going on. So you know, I I really like Callum Ferguson. He's probably my favorite player yeah. <laughs> in the BBL at the moment just because of how cool he is. I think um as well like the Thunder, I think. They've got the best containment spinning stocks in the competition, I think. Green in Green and Jonathan Cook. I think mm. Cook is excellent, one of the most underrated players. Extremely cheap on Supercoach as well for people who are into that. And he's thirty. Yeah, he's been kicking around for a while. He's got the experience. Well, I think he's only played. I think he only
0: came into Big Bash last year. He came into it last year. That's yeah, true. So- of a mature age, veteran, knowing knowing <laughs> his game, knowing what he's doing, and
1: M- mature age pinch hitter with his lovely long locks, and also like something that I just remembered uh, during their game against the strikers was, oh yeah, they've got Alex Hales, and he's yeah. really yeah. freaking good yeah. as well. So I think the depth is really going to help them. They've got uh, that then they've got the Sixers and and strikers to come. is what I've written. Is that true? That. Looks... Sixes again.
2: Oh, no, sorry. No, yeah, no, yeah. They they have sixes. That's a a derby. um, coming. That's very soon, actually.
0: 28th. And then they're playing... And then they're doing the Strikers. The Strikers,
1: yeah. Let me just say that again. On New Year's Eve. Yeah. So they got the Sixes in the derby to come, and then the Strikers on New Year's Eve. I think the game against the Strikers will be the litmus test. I think the both of those teams... I mean, like, let's let's just go to Adelaide straight away. We'll break my little rule that I've set up. Mm -hmm. So, that game, the no result game at Monica, a bit of a get out of jail free card for Adelaide there, Um, no result against the Thunder. And then they had a really comprehensive victory against the Renegades by 18 runs. The strikers did. Beg your pardon. I. Scorchers. And then they had a really uh, entertaining victory against the Scorchers by 18 runs on the DLS in a game that was was reduced to 18 overs by the time that second innings came along. That was a hit out. Yeah, that was an amazing game. Absolutely massive. Best moment of that game for me was Rashid Khan. Now, I think the hype around him is a little bit over the top for someone to handle. Just, you know, I think Gillespie's labeled him as the best T20 player in the world. But to be fair... He was struck for 15 of his first over. Second over, two sixes in a row, and then just kept his kept his temperament. Bang, bang, two wickets in two balls changed the tide of the entire yeah. match because the scorchers were going nuts. At that, that point.
2: Th- those two wickets as well. It, it was the two openers that got out. You know, mm. it, it wasn't the opener and the and the new batsman. It mm. completely changed it. It was. It to be honest, it was pretty silly batting from the sixes. You know, there was one ball left in the scorchers. over. I think. Sorry, by the scorchers. By the yeah, scorchers. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I think there was one ball left in the over. Or something like that, and and they got a wicket. You know, it's it's really really silly batting.
1: I completely agree, and he just has such a calm temperament about him. Again, though, like they have so much depth. Like you got Alex Carey in there, you got Cameron White. This is the strikers that we're talking about at the moment with their bowling. Like Peter Siddle's the workhorse. I mean, he's going to be away on international duties, but you know he's always there to come in for the likes of Harry Conway, who's also having a bit of a breakout season himself. So big Billy as well. Billy, Snell, I fully forgot about Billy. Snell, he did bowl
0: well last night, but he he's one of Australia's better pace T20 bowlers.
1: I agree. I think maybe the, the issue that the pace bowlers face, and I, I feel like we'll go to the Sixers next because I think they struggle with this too, is that like you can just use the pace so much more in T20. Mm. And so if you're like Billy Stanlake or Harry Conway's first few overs and you're bowling your traditional Sheffield Shield or Marsh Cup line and length stuff... It, it, it can be a bit of a Achilles heel because you can just sort of let it run off the bat or use it to help its way across the fence. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I agree with you guys. The Strikers are looking excellent, I think. I'll tell you who's not looking excellent. The Sixers, they defeated the Scorchers in their – they defeated the Scorchers in their opening fixture by eight wickets, and it was the Josh Felipe flip show. Um, and then they lost to the Hurricanes in what is my match of the season so far – the pure entertainment value, uh, by 25 runs in a in a spectacular collapse up in the top ends, and then they went down to the heat by 48 runs in a hashtag Lynn sanity uh, masterclass. That was bonkers. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and we'll come to Chris Heat, not Chris Heat. That's what we call Chris Heat. We'll come to Chris Lynn later. Um, where's it going wrong for the Sixers boys? Um, my word would be inconsistency. Okay. Um, just
2: looking at their at their three, so it's just their three batting performances. So two for one thirty seven, fantastic. Out for one hundred and four, not fantastic. And then <laughs> and then one hundred and sixty one. You know, three very different scores. Same with their bowling. You know, bowling um, attacks. Oh, so they had uh, one thirty one bowled out, and then uh, about one thirty, but then two hundred nine. Yeah, exactly. Just, they they kind of just need to get some more consistency in there, and I think that'll that'll really start to bring some winning ways for them.
0: My take is they've got a lot of. New South Wales' uh, Sheffield Shield squad. I completely agree, yes. And a lot of them don't really transition well to the T20 format. It's
1: Absolutely not. I
0: I'm agree. thinking specifically Enriquez, who I know can bring it out sometimes. My captain for my super <laughs> team. Um, and I, I think they've got a, good, a team of really solid cricket players who aren't quite T20 players. I think like Dan Hughes... Enriquez, Silk, even Silk has done it once or twice, but he's S- Silk's really had consistent. one good season in the BBL, really. Um, even Tom Curran and Sean Abbott, like they've got the great cricket players, but just feel they like don't really have the skill set for the T Twenty format.
1: Yeah, like to me, Sean Abbott is your quintessential ODI bowler mm. in that he can. He, he can bowl consistent line and length and pester you but he's got the pace but if you've only got four overs to play with and you're swinging for the fences then again it's that same thing of you're able just to use the pace of that ball i say i think I'mdorius um, dwarsius mustachius Ben Mustache dwarius I think he maybe offers a little bit of um versatility to yeah their i think lineup. he's
0: i think he's one of their better bowlers.
1: yeah and t- and Tom Curran too but yeah uh, but I I agree with what you guys just said though. Like I, I don't think they've got the containment strategy, particularly with the likes of like I don't I don't think O'Keefe is translates well at all at the moment in terms of yeah, and the T20 bowling Pope bowling. as
0: well, who's oh, I don't think he's quite figured out oh, <laughs> a lot of his shocking. skill. He you knows how to turn the ball from oh. uh, leg side to offside, but That's about it. <laughs>
2: this, it, it, it. This whole um Sheffield Shield team converting to the T Twenty team. I, I, I do think about actually quite a lot. I, I do think about contracts with players and, and where they get their players from because there's a lot of teams in the BBL and you know there's a lot of cricket players but um I'm just I just I don't know if they have that big of a selection of players to pick for the for each big bash team. I find there are a lot of average players in the BBL.
1: Particularly when you get to uh you know the, the double city stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you're scraping the barrel of... Well, yeah. not to say grey cricket's like a barrel by any chance, but, I mean, the leap from going, playing first grade to having A.B. de Villiers batting mm. and you've never played an international, let alone a state game yeah. before. Like, how the hell is that going to be? sorry and then
2: And then... Because um, I, I know a few players do play the market, like, you know, in terms of contracts, in terms of money, but I feel like a lot of them just stay at the same city because that's the home city. I, I really would like to see teams offer more money for to players to get big market players in their team mm. you know uh get uh, who's a you know grab Alex Carey or like you know a great batsman a great keeper pay him a whole lot of money bring him to the sixers or mm. you know or something someone like and that
0: I, and i think i think the sixers <laughs> chuck some zeros on this contract yes. <laughs> <laughs> i think the sixers best player this season will be someone who plays for WA in the shield which is Felipe absolutely and mm. maybe smith if he plays but i think apart from that they yeah. Don't have much.
1: I think I think Felipe, if he continues his current vein of form, aside from, you know, maybe the most recent game, I feel like one day honours might come calling to him soon as well. I think he's, he looks very, very impressive. Look, moving on down the Hume, we're going to Mel- the Melbourne <laughs> Stars. Good old, good old the Hollywood glitz probe. Uh, they've had a great start to the season. Kind of like... I don't want to use the term understated, but I feel like everyone's talking about the Thunder because, oh my gosh, the Thunder is actually winning and the strikers because <laughs> Rashid Khan. This,
2: this is what happens with the Thunder. They either come bottom or they win. Well, they win the or thing. they win the entire thing. They it's ridiculous. They are the
1: bipolar team. Yeah. Um. But with, with the Stars, uh, kicked off by defeating the Heat by 22 runs and then they absolutely caned the Kane train, derailed them by 52 runs and then they've got the Strikers and then a rematch against the Canes to come. I have no idea how the draw works when it comes to T20. Maybe we'll cover that on the ne- on next year's season. Um, oh, Marcus Stoinis isn't yeah. in a rig. Uh, I was
2: I was going to say, the Melbourne Stars have a great team, don't they? Amazing they've got a team. great team. They've got Stars. Nick Patterson,
1: Stoinis, Dunk, Maxwell, Hanscom. That's the top five. That, and that's just the, the batting that we're talking about yeah. as well. We haven't talked yeah. about the Nepalese Sensation. Uh Sand Sandeep. Sandeep yep. Sandeep, Sandeep. And then, Yeah. And then we have Roar who yeah. absolutely destroyed the Hurricanes the other night, taking a Pfeiffer. Um obviously he's a pretty big story because was caught up out of Tasmanian grey cricket or the equivalent of to replace the injured Dale stain Um Pfeiffer in his was that his first game or did he play against the Heat as well? I should know, I don't know.
2: Oh, just uh just, just just while we're we'll talking about that. sorry, cut that. How many fivers have been taken in the BBL?
1: Does anyone know? Let's get a fact check on
2: that. I have pulled it up just here. Oh, No need to. Okay. okay. Uh, Uh, Anyone want to take some guesses?
1: Yeah. I reckon, oh, I reckon it's going to be in the vein of three.
0: I reckon. I reckon Pat Cummins took one for the Thunder in like
1: BBL three. (laughs) I reckon one
0: a season. There has been 12.
2: But but it's kind of interesting. So there was two in 2012 and then none until 2015.
1: Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Who who are the most recent five? I recent mean, five. So we got look. the one
2: we just talked. So about. We got uh, Ralph. Ralph. Oh, Should be just calling him Ralph? Let's go, right? Ralph. Re- Wreck it, Ralph. Yeah. Is from now on, his name. Oh, uh, you're not going to get. You might guess one of these if you want to guess. Oh no, it's okay. Okay. Got Harris, Ralph, um, who got I think five for twenty-seven. Yeah, five for twenty-seven. Then you we got Rashid Uh Then we got Lala, Lala or Lalor. Sorry, Josh. Oh, Lalor. Lalor. Lalo. 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 Yeah. Five twenty-six. Brendan Doggett. Five for thirty-five, Andrew Ty, five for twenty-three. Yeah, okay. Bit of a good name. Dwayne Bravo, five for twenty-eight. Oh, oh, about Braves. Bravo.
1: What what leads to a Fifer in a T twenty, do we think? Like like what was it about Ralph's bowling that led to that? Because I like I thought he looked good, but I didn't think he looked unplayable.
0: Do you think it's an unknown factor? As in some sometimes spinners come in and players have never seen them before and just don't know exactly what they're gonna do or like what they what type of balls they have. I mean, someone like Dwayne Bravo or whatever is probably more likely to just be hitting the spot or actually I think this is it. I think a lot of the times they'll be bowling towards death in a chase and players, the batsmen will be trying to, Slog mm. out And That's, they'll just get Catched in the deep ball I was gonna
2: say that It was a bit of a tail end So like So it, to be fair He got the yeah uh, McDermott at third And right fifth out But then he got, got He
0: got Miller out as well
2: I believe uh, no, he didn't not Bowled by Maxwell Oh Maxwell <laughs> got Miller So right. yeah. Maxwell
1: took two Yeah wow. but
2: then to be fair Then he got seven, eight, nine, 8, um, okay. All in really quick succession so. And
1: then And then our boy Friend of the show Clive Rose Went on to make 32 not out Go listen to his episode If you listen to this podcast um, look, I thought his celebrations were really, really cool as well. Like he's very much channeling Stain in terms of the, <laughs> you know, veins popping out all over his face kind of thing. But yeah,
0: we'll have to have a best of celebrations at the end of the season because there's been some good ones so
1: far. A reaction video. They've got the Renegades to come in the derby. I reckon that will be a cracking game. But I would actually think the Stars should be looking pretty good. Should we move on to the Gads? Absolutely. That's a good. That's a good thing to do. Uh, they don't know the Renegades coming up, by the way. I've already said... Se- well, I'll just cut that whole bit. We'll go from... Should we move on to the Gates? Yeah. I, I just misread my document. <clears throat> okay. So, the Gates. Uh, funny start to the season for them. Back-to-back losses. They lost to the Thunder by six wickets and then lost to the Scorchers by 11 runs in the Marsh v. Marsh game. That should have been the Marsh Cup if there ever was one. <laughs> really entertaining game, though. Um... I wouldn't be worried if I was Aaron Finch, though. What what, what is your guys read on this? I
2: I wouldn't be worried either. They're, they've got two really great scores: one hundred and sixty-nine and one hundred and eighty-five. Two great scores. Um, I think they've just um, other teams have just had a really good innings that that beat you know it's Thunder four for one seventy-one, seven for one ninety-six for, for scorches. It's I wouldn't be worried either.
0: Does that mean? Know. Does that mean they need to worry about their bowling? As in, if they... containment or wicket taking or fielding or Something in their fielding innings that is a bit more of a worry, or is it just too early to tell with two games in?
2: Well, um, what they've got Richardson, who's a great bowler, yeah. but apart from that, it it does go off the off the off the off the cliff a little bit. I
1: I agree. I, I I've written down Harry Gurney sucks, is what I've written in my I'm notes. I'm looking at his last game. One for 55 for four. Uh, unbelievably <laughs> awful um, figures. And again, I don't think he is a bad bowler, but I think it's the similar thing of he he does all the basics and the fundamentals right, but T20 is a different form of cricket, which the basics and fundamentals are not necessarily appropriate for. So I think maybe their fielding could be a little bit of a worry as well. But I mean... I don't think fielding can get you that far in BBL unless you're trying to really sort of minimo- minimize the power play, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I think like they've ba- so they've got the hurricanes and the strikers coming up. You would think they'd easily get over the line against the hurricanes?
0: The hurricanes seem a bit. We'll get there, but they don't well, seem
1: a little amazing bit amazing c- this year. Yeah, <laughs> category one at the moment is <laughs> how I would rate them. Um, I mean, and Aaron Finch hasn't had. You know, a real chance to go yet either, and he's been in, in a rich vein of form in this box and etc. to to keep it under control. We've got Dan Christian as well. He's a pretty good all rounder. Yeah. Um. He has He's been a little bit unlucky. Has gone for some cheap scores so far because he's had to do the team thing. Um. Yeah. Not the start they probably wanted.
0: Defending champs. Yeah. It was- I think it's a it's a long season. They've still got. 10 games-ish. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah I was going to say, so I haven't looked into
0: this. Is this the same length of a season as last year? A little bit shorter. Okay. So when the, so in terms of games, it's the same. In terms of span of how long yeah. they take to play, a bit shorter.
1: Okay. And I've got a way better final series, which you can listen to our last episode where we go into that. Uh, across the Bass Strait we go... So the Hobart Hurricanes, who have actually been zooming elsewhere around the country for their games, uh, they began their season with a win against the Sixers by twenty-five runs, which was a very, very entertaining game with um ah uh, I've re- uh, with Is that How I say his name? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll go with Quise. Could have guessed as any. Very, yeah. very sorry if that's wrong. Um, taking taking an amazing ah uh, in his bowling performance with some front flips. And then they went down to the Stars by a whopping 52 runs. And they've got the Renegades and the Stars again to come. I mean, look, a win and a loss doesn't look too bad on paper to start your campaign out, especially if you're playing in Darwin and Moe, wherever the hell that is. But I think that the that the Hurricanes have absolutely no depth going on.
2: Yeah, I was going to say I, I, I don't rate the team at all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look good for them <laughs> to me. <laughs> I think David Miller offers a bit of X factor. You know, he'll sell some tickets. Quice um, is is it's great. They've got that containment play there too. But I mean, oh, you got a couple of liabilities, I think as well. They got.
0: Darcy Short and Ben McDermott, who on their day are two of the best batsmen in Australia.
1: Well, and Darcy Short has yeah. Maddie Wade, who's really good at ticking the strike over as well as finding the boundary. Then That's true. They had Wade last year, didn't they? Yeah, and Wade very much kind of was the bedrock of that partnership yeah. with Short. So I think I don't think McDermott has actually really translated much of his form from last year over into this season in international yeah. colours or domestic colours. But yeah, yeah, look. It's not taking off for me. I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what we think of the Hurricanes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bev. Uh, look, moving on. We've done the strikers, so yep. we got, we got crossed the Nalibor. Absolutely. Well, yep, there we go. So we'll got, we'll come to the Scorchers, and then we'll wrap up with Brisbane. Uh, Perth, they've played three games. They lost against the Sixers by eight wickets. We've already sort of covered that game a little bit. Then they won against the Renegades by 11 runs in the Marsh Cup, and then Lost last night to Adelaide by 15 in runs. the Agar Cup. In the Agar <laughs> Cup, absolutely. They have the sixes and the heat to come. Gosh, Sean Marsh hits a heavy ball. Sean? Yeah. Uh, Mitch. Damn. There we go. Gosh, Mitch Marsh hits a heavy <laughs> ball when he does that pull shot across his body with the sort oh. of little grunt. You can see his abs working extra hard. Oh, it's always just in front of square as well. Oh, it's a sight. It's, it's a sight that you get on a VB ad or a solo ad. You know, it's it's <laughs> thirst crushing stuff. They've got a good looking team. Yeah. I wonder
0: if it's going to be a consistency thing for them.
2: I, I, I tell you what, I, th- I think they'll be in the finals, the first Scorchers.
1: I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's five teams that make the finals this year. And, like, I can't see the Scorchers necessarily always knocking off the likes of the Strikers or, you know, the Renegades or the Thunder. I mean, they lost to the Sixers in the first game, and I think that's just a warm up, you know? Yeah. Having to travel across, yeah. you know, cop your five hour flight, smoky conditions in Sydney, yep. and F- Felipe and Vince were going really well. But if, if you look at
2: the other two, the most, two most recent games, they've absolutely, they've absolutely killed it in the batting, both games. They've just they've just been unlucky, really. Especially uh, last night against the against the strikers. You know, only eighteen overs, and they sco- And strikers got hundred ninety eight. You know, that's that's unbelievable. It's
1: it's, it's yeah. a daunting prospect to chase down in front of thirty five thousand people. They looked like they were going to do it
0: for yeah, a while as for well, a long time. And I think it's just a that's a kind of a t twenty trade, right? You, the openers can go really well, and then when you're chasing a big score, the pressure just gets to the new batsman yeah. and.
2: Absolutely. I say, yeah, honestly, it was a really, really bad fo- time for the openers to go out because they went out about 120, I think, when they were mm. on. Yeah. Know, you know, still needed 70 to go. Um, it, it, it's just a super, super hard, hard task for batsmen three and four to come in and keep up the pace to try and get there.
1: You know, so, f- so for people listening, to put this in context, the Scorchers still made it to 183, chasing 198, going down by 15 runs. But Josh Inglis, 50 of 27. Liam Livingston, 69 of 26. Liam Livingston went at a strike rate of 265, which mm. is absurd. Then after that, you got scores of 4, 14, 19, 2, and 9. But then when you look at their when you look at their batting lineup, after those openings you've got Aston Turner, Mitch Marsh, Cameron Bancroft, Agar, yeah. Cameron Green, who's probably been the most hyped all rounder in Australia this year. That it, it goes incredibly deep in their batting lineup. So I think similar to the Renegades, maybe they've just been a little bit unlucky, slash the context that they've been in has been a bit has been a bit tricky. Um I can't see them, you know, pushing all the way to the final necessarily. Do they have any games at the hashtag Furnace, or, or is that <laughs> done? Is it all is it all Optus
0: Stadium this year? I think the Furnace has transitioned to the Optus Stadium. Okay, I sure. think we can double check that, but I think that's the case. Okay,
1: we'll get a fact check on that because because that was that was some some domination of the home team there when they were playing there. To wrap up the teams for week one, we have the Brisbane Heat. Um, look. I These are the team that I really would love to see at the wooden spoon. I do not like the, their brand of cricket at all. Even though it's entertaining, I just think they're a little bit disrespectful. Um, <laughs> what makes it, you think they're disrespectful? I just don't like Darren Lehman. <laughs> the Stars by 22, and then they cream the Sixers by 48 with Chris Lynn scoring... A, 94
0: off. Like, like 30, five. 30, 30 balls, yeah. Exactly.
1: An yeah. unbelievable innings. But an in, innings that I would argue had a lot of luck
2: involved. Mm. Uh, to what I get, the player I get confused with a lot is Matty Renshaw. Because I remember when he joined the test team, he maybe he was the slowest batsman. Yeah. He took forever. And and now he's <laughs> coming out and scoring 60 from 39, you know? it's just, and, he's, and he's taking wickets yeah,
0: as well. it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> he does have, I mean, I've been saying it for years, a bit of Matty Hayden in him. I think Matty Hayden could could smack a ball yeah. when I he's I think Matty trying. Hayden
1: should be the coach of the Heat, and I love
0: oh, them, that's to be a honest. better shot. Um, but Renshaw, like, I think he knows his formats a bit better than some of the other players and can come out and smack a ball when he needs to smack a ball, but also go long. I mean, in that first test innings at the Adelaide Oval against South Africa, if I'm remembering correctly, he just couldn't touch the ball because I think there are <laughs> <laughs> the balls were just a bit better than him.
1: But um, I think in T20 he's he's got a spot. I don't like Booth's approach. Booth is Darren Lehman for people who didn't know that. His approach of uh, just put the big levers right up the front, rely solely on your hitting power, and everything else that happens you know, maybe isn't quite as important. That might not at all be how he thinks about things, but when I think about his tenure in the Australian squad and some of the selections that went down, it appeared to me like he got really lucky with the bowlers that happened to be fit and coming through at the right time and really sort of backed in that aggressive style of play that I, I, I don't think gets you that far in this day and age of smart cricket. And I think smart cricket has never been more important when you've got all this cross-formatting going on. Thoughts? <laughs> I think I
0: think time will tell how he goes at being a T20 coach this season. I I,
1: I don't know how much a coach does in cricket it's an interesting question actually. Like what does the coach actually do to it?
0: Because him? we did see it when Langer left the scorches that so they kind of went downhill. And so obviously there's there can be an impact. But I
2: I really think the culture has a lot to do with co- uh, sorry, the coach has a lot to do with culture. Um, yeah. I think that's one of the real, real big big points of it. Yeah, and I, that's with you know any team. You go to NBA teams, it's the same kind of
1: thing. Yeah. Well yeah, and the heek to me just don't seem all that smiley. And I think I think to Australia, under Booth, they weren't the most smiley team. And now... I think you could be fairly safe in calling them pricks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, look, we're not calling the Heat pricks by any means, but I just think, you know, there's more to it than just whacking it over the fence. I think Chris Lynn, you know, used the power play really well, but it doesn't... Like, he always gets caught, and he'll either get caught for two or get caught for 100. It just depends on how much he gets on the ball there. So... I mean, I think part of the issue there is, again, the Sixers is bowling, regulation, Sheffield Shield stuff. Boys, we're going to move on to our interview now. So, everyone, please give a warm, rousing welcome to Andrew Menzel, if that's how I say it. Menes, I believe, is the term. Here we go. Okay, so in terms of uh, where the big bash has arrived, this year, I think it's it's so crazy that it's been 10 years since the BBL started. What was your initial impression of the tournament when it began? And how do you view it now, like,
3: in retrospect? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, so I really liked when the Big Bash was state-based. So I really enjoyed, um, although it wasn't as serious as it is now when New South Wales and Victoria and all the states were playing a T20 competition, And when they first floated the idea of making franchises, I was pretty unhappy, actually, because I thought, you know, they were throwing away all that tradition that, you know, New South Wales cricket had and Victoria and all the other stuff. But I was, you know, massively off the mark, and now (laughs) I'm such a big fan of the competition.
1: Totally. Do you think... um? I mean, yeah, like so, like as, as am I, right? Like, I think something that's really awesome with the competition is seeing all these shield players being able to play in front of big audiences. I think that's one of the, the key factors that I think a lot of cricket tragics really have enjoyed. Something that a lot of people have been saying is like, "Oh, it's so great that there's cricket on during the summer in the daytime, and then at nighttime you flick on the big Bash straight away." But I would also argue there's been a pretty sharp drop in terms of engagement with the men's competition, at least when you're at the ground. Like, I was at the Sixers game last night. And, Same? Um, yeah, yeah. And then it didn't feel like there was a huge amount of people there, uh, given the context. I mean, obviously, you know, we're up right before Christmas and stuff. Do you think there's ever a chance that Cricket Australia could flirt with the possibility of there just being too much cricket on at the moment?
3: So, look, they've, they've expanded the Big Bash rapidly in the last few years. It wasn't that long ago that they were just playing eight games a season, and, you know, there were eight games to ten games and then to 14 games pretty quickly. Mm. So I think there's adjustment happening with the public, and I think we also have to readjust our perception that, you know, you were talking about the game at the cricket ground last night, there was Sydney cricket ground, there was, I think, 13,500 people there, mm. which is really pretty good for a pre-Christmas domestic cricket game. And I think I'm happy with a 14-game uh, season, and I think slowly people will get used to it and crowds will sort of build. But, you know, it's a big difference when you have, say, four home games to seven home games. If there's only four home games, you want to go to all. Whereas if there's seven, you might pick and choose a bit.
1: Mm. Absolutely. And do, do you think that the Big Bash should be looking at expanding into those more kind of regional areas with their games? Like, not just necessarily with teams, but like, say, for example, playing more games in places like Newcastle and Yongong, like the women's do, or do you think that they've got it right in terms of the grounds that they've chosen to sort of keep as the marquee grounds throughout the year? Mm,
3: it's an interesting question. I think that... It does depend on the ground that you play at in the regional areas. So Monica Oval in Canberra is pretty good. Um, I haven't been to the one in Alice Springs or Moe but, but, um, yeah, I think it's good to take them to the regional areas, but you've sort of got to be careful you don't take away from the loyal fans that are sort of in the um, big cities. I know, for example, here with the Sydney Thunder and the Melbourne Renegades, they're both playing regional games to start their season because the ground that they play on needs to be um, fit not only for the Big Bash but for the women's T20 World Cup that follows. So they're worried about how the pitches will hold up if they were to start too early. So I know they're playing some regional games early on.
1: Hmm. Totally. I think what you just mentioned there with the women's game is, is really key um, in the context of this year's big Bash because I would argue we've just had the most exciting uh, WBBL edition yet. Maybe the finals didn't quite live up to the same <laughs> explosiveness as they did last year, but it feels like the women's game is really building towards that huge showpiece coming up with the women's T20 World Cup in February in Australia. Um Do you think that the role of BBL 09 this year should build towards the men's one in a similar sense? Or do you think the CA administrators are keen just to kind of let the two things simmer and get their own independent audiences, so to speak?
3: I think this Big Bash is a great ad for T20 cricket. And I think what we're seeing is some of the – the national players try and be available for the Big Bash because they want to push their claims to, to play in that World Cup team. So I, I think, um, you know, they'll use both. I know that the T20 World Cup will try and do a lot of marketing while the Big Bash is on and encourage people to get tickets. But um, there is a bit of a time gap, though, between you know, when the Big Bash finishes and when the World Cup finishes. Mm. So I think that does play into it. Mm,
1: totally. Do you think that the big bash should, like the men's big bash now speaking, should have its own window? Like, with, like when we talk about time, you know, it seems so funny that the biggest event on the Australian cricket calendar, I would argue now, aside from maybe the Boxing Day test, you know, doesn't have any of the test plays there available for it at the moment, whereas the women's did. And I think that made it so much more exciting as a result.
3: Yes, I completely think that we should have a big bash window. What is frustrating for me is that we don't get a lot of overseas players coming. Indian players don't come because they're not allowed to. Mm. So that restricts the star power in our tournament. And then we don't often have our best players available. So, Alistair, my plan is, if I was in charge of Cricket Australia, is I would – make all the Australian white and red ball players totally available after the end of the Sydney test. And I wouldn't schedule any international white ball cricket uh, in that period. So all the players are available for Big Bash clubs.
1: What would need to happen for the, say, the Indian cricket board to come to the party for domestic tournaments like this, do you think?
3: Uh, I I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they, they they will not let their players come and play in these tournaments. So uh, I don't think that's going to change in the near future. Our best chance is when players retire from the National Indian setup and get mm. them out here um, when they're finished playing for India.
1: Mm. Well, yeah, it's just the optics of it are very funny because... Obviously, IPL auction season is kind of red hot right now. At the same time, so I guess it makes this this contest going on quite interesting in terms of players trying to drive up their asking price, so to speak. Um, speaking of which, like which players do you think with this with BBL09 now really have the spotlight on them to push their claims for higher honours? Particularly thinking about the T20 World Cup coming up next year.
3: So I think there's not a lot of spots available in in the T20 side. I think they've got a pretty good idea of who they want the top order to be with Warner, Finch and Smith, kind of the nucleus of the top three. But but I think the the positions that are up for grabs are the spinning spots. Mm. So I still think there's a tussle between Agar, Zampa and Lyon uh, for those spinning spots. And then maybe an outsider like a a Swepson or even a rank outsider like a, a Lloyd Pope if he were to come through in this <laughs> big bash. Um, but So I think the spinning spots up for grabs, I think there's a couple of fast bowling spots um, up for grabs. I mean, you'll have Stark and Cummins there and then, you know, you're sort of looking at players like ha- um, Hazelwood and Billy Stanlake and Andrew Ty and Kane Richardson and Jai Richardson all sort of vying for those other spots in the squad. But I think the batting is pretty settled. I guess the all-rounder spot's now up for grabs. With Marcus Stoinis falling out of favour and Mitch Marsh being unavailable for mm-hmm. a while. Um, you know, there's this young player from Western Australia called Cameron Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw batting last night. You know, he looks a pretty handy player. So I think there's a few spots up for grabs, but I, I think the core of the side is pretty settled with the, the top order and the key fast bowlers. mm yeah. Alex Carey as the keeper.
1: Yeah, and I, I completely agree with Alex Carey. I think he's he's been outstanding in the shorter format. Two particular cult players that I've kind of been interested in. And I'd be very keen to sort of get You're really your to it. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, when I say cult players, I mean one of them.
3: They lead leader cult or no.
1: cult Well, well, well call cult heroes is is what I should say. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for the clarification. I mean, they could, who knows. I think Moises Honoricus has been playing really
3: flippin' well this year
1: in in limited overs and in Sheffield Shield. Do you think we'll ever see the the Peterson boy get a run?
3: Yeah, I, look, I completely agree with you. Spot on there. He's been outstanding for New South Wales. He's played some magic knocks in the Sheffield Shield. I think he's going to be a star in the Big Bash, and I can't understand why he's not given more opportunities. If you look at the opportunities mitch marsh has been given you know he's played 30 tests hasn't he and
1: mm.
3: imagine um henriquez has been given that opportunity like 30 tests imagine what he would have done with it so i'm not sure they're going to pick him but they certainly should
1: mm. i completely agree with that and the second one i wanted to throw at you to get your opinion on and there's sort of a broader question going on in the background here um uh, Green, the spinner for Sydney Thunder, who's been traveling around the world kind of plying his trade as a freelance T20 specialist, playing in all kinds of different leagues, you know, from the big ones to sort of the more minnow ones, A, like, what's your read on him? And B, what what's your take on these sort of new freelance specialists? Do you think that if a player chooses to kind of chase the money, so to speak, t- should that
3: count against them when it comes to pushing for higher honours. Yeah, Chris Green is an interesting one. When I was Mm. talking about I didn't even mention him and I guess he's someone that the selectors should consider wealth of G20 experience. Uh, I think uh, if he performs well for the Thunder this year, though, they might even consider him for the Australian side. Uh, I think though as far as the um, question about sort of these um, so-called T20 mercenaries like Chris Lynn and Ben Cutting that have retired from domestic cricket to pursue T20 cricket. I think it's fantastic, and I I think it's great that there's more career options for up-and-coming cricketers, and I think it's a way of keeping more and more athletes in the game. You're not just dependent on, you know, hopefully playing first-class cricket and then playing for Australia. So, yeah, I think it's a fantastic thing, and I'm glad that there's now a path for these domestic cricketers to um, earn more money and, and become a professional cricketer.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, the final question I have to, to wrap up is, um, you know, so much is made about the international retired players that come in, or even the current international players. Obviously, Tom Curran was really effective for the Sixers last night, and Dale Stane and A.B. De Villiers, like, huge talking points about uh, this current edition of the Big Bash. Do they really make that much of a difference to an entire team, though, do you think? Because I can't help but think about when Chris Gale, you know, took up the bat for the Sydney Thunder and he got that amazing century. I think BBLO won. He got a great century for them in in the first game and then nothing really happened from there. And, you know, the Renegades won their first season once he left. So, yeah, like is that more of a mentoring thing for the younger players or do you think the likes of AB could really turn, say, a team like the Heat season around if they continue on their current tra- trajectory?
3: Oh, no, I think these um, international players are game changers. If you, if you look at the, especially with what we were talking about before, with, you know, not a lot of international stars coming in not a lot of Australian international players available at the moment. If you do get one that performs well, they can be a huge difference in your side. I mean, we saw last season Tom Curran perform excellently for the Sydney Sixers, and mm. he was one of the main reasons they made the semi-final. So, I no, I think they can make a big difference. I think it's hard to get it right, and that's what you be are seeing, that, you know, some don't land and don't prosper in the big bash, but if you can get the right star here, they can do really well.
1: Mm, absolutely. Cool. Well, look, I think it's going to be a really fascinating season. So thanks so much for, um, you know, taking time out and giving us your insights as you're close to the action. Thank you, Menez, for your generous time chatting to us about, about cricket. It's always so awesome to have journos and players and the like come on and give us the time of day. So we really appreciate it. And, you know, To the listener, if you'd like to see us, reach out to anyone and get them on. Feel free to let us know via Facebook or, like I said, shoot me a tweet. That is a bit of a historical moment, actually. So, in the Monica Oval clash between the Thunder and the Strikers, we've alluded to this as a result. Now, we've already said the Thunder were just about to win, so that's a bit of a tricky one. But I think the real fear here for administrators is the fact that, for those who don't know... Smoke has been around constantly in New South Wales throughout this summer due to the insane amount of fires that are going on. That's only expected to get worse as the summer heats up, and you know the broader issue of climate change continues to settle in. And you know people have gone so far as to suggest that you might see things like test matches cancelled, such as the SCG test, is being looked at at the moment as a as a real real point of worry with administrators. What are your initial reactions to this, this crisis point that we're at?
0: I think we saw it even just before the Big Bash started with the last round of um, Marsh Cup Sheffield Shield games. Absolutely, yeah. There was a crazy amount of smoke during that and they kept playing despite probably should have been going off.
1: Looks like you're playing in Bangladesh in the Middle Ages <laughs> at one stage. There, like You barely even see Stephen O'Keefe coming yeah. up and taking his wickets against Queensland. I
0: think they were probably... It was probably the right thing to do with the Big Bash game. I think there was what like it's just stupid how much smoke's been around and I think having that descend on the ground kind of as much as it did part of the way through game, it's just not safe for people.
1: Well Peter still needed medical attention. Yeah. Like I mean, it's actually at a point where players are now needing to take some time off to recover from it, which like, I think is
0: insane. Especially for players, like especially for bowlers as well or the batsmen. Like just running and doing physical exertion that makes you want to breathe more heavily, and you know you could do the PE talk, but I'm not very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> like they're gonna be sucking Cardiac. in more air, and there's when there's smoke in the air and at dangerous levels,
1: it's just silly to play. So what's the way forward then? Do we reckon? I've got I've got some thoughts, but I would love to hear from the floor. <laughs> Look, I um
2: I'm pretty happy with the decision that was made. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I totally. I think. Um, it's a decision that had to be made, no matter who was angry about it. Um, you know, mainly the Sydney Thunder players, but it's it's just one of those things that they can't control. You know, they're going to win, but tough luck,
1: too bad, so sad. I really appreciated what Shane Bond, uh, ex-New Zealand cricketer, had to say. He said, you know, sure, like, we lost a night of cricket, but people are losing their homes, and that's you just got to put some things into perspective. Mm. In terms of the way forward, though, I think this is pretty significant because... This will most likely happen again, at least in the next fifteen or twenty years or so. While I think society collectively moves to get on top of this issue, I would lo- really, really love to see what they used to have at the old Telstra Dome down in <laughs> Melbourne. Where you just whack a roof on. I think that, to me, is uh, is honestly a logical fix for things like this. Marvel's got a roof on it, doesn't it? I think I think it does actually. Oh, yeah, I think it does. It takes like half an hour for the roof to come across, and like I know that you can't a million dollars on a new stadium. In th- Sydney. So not putting a roof on the SCG though. I know. It'll yeah. never happen. Yeah. Uh, traditionalists. I mean, yeah. You can't imagine that unless unless you built something behind the grandstand. So the grandstand Even was kind then. of enclosed. Even <laughs> then. Yeah. Look, I, that that to me, I think yeah, full days of cricket. That's what Wimbledon have done. You know, that's probably the most traditional sporting event in the world, so to speak, in terms of, you know, the history and the, the lordship around it. Um, either that or they're going to have to work out some form of respiratory masks for players to wear because they're not going to be able to cancel the SCG test match, for example. That's one of the main financial draw cards for Cricket Australia. They'll
0: go off, though. They'll they'll stop. They should stop play if it's bad.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I agree. Yeah.
0: It'll just be a smoke delay instead of a rain delay, which, yeah. I mean, it's hard, right? Because there's not been smoke like this. There may be bushfires like this in the last whatever amount of years, but there hasn't been smoke like this in Sydney for as long as long as I can remember um and that's not to say that it won't happen again, but I think this could be a summer where just a lot of cricket is interrupted i don't I don't know if it happens again next year or in the next five years, and maybe it's a crap how we're we gonna deal with smoke
1: but hmm. i don't I don't know maybe maybe just like take it day by day at the moment and see what happens. It's an interesting one, that's for sure. Well, look, fellas, before we wrap it up, let's have a look at the standings at the moment as, as to where they're at for BBL 09. Uh, Sydney Thunder are in 1st with uh, three matches under the belt, two wins, zero losses. That's niche. Um, with a net run rate of 0.847, 0.847. The Melbourne Stars are ahead of them on, on net run rate in second place with 1.85. Then third, we have the Strikers. Fourth, inexplicably, we have the Heat. Now, I'm just going to come out and say it. They are my pick for the wooden... Well, no, they're not my pick for the wooden spoon, but I, I think they'll miss out on the finals. Uh, fifth, we have the Sixers. Uh, I reckon that could be the Challengers, so they might sneak into fifth place this year, but they're sitting in fifth at the moment. I reckon they'll stay around there. Sixth, we have my tip for the wooden spoon, the Hurricanes... Uh, seventh, we have the Scorchers, which I think they'll jump up there pretty quickly. And sitting at the bottom, but I think they'll make their way into the top three eventually, is the Renegades with zero wins and a net run rate of 0.402. Well, minus 0.402.
0: So, Al, you've got the Hurricanes and the wooden Spoon. Yep. Who are the other two missing out on the finals for you?
1: For me, I think the Heat aren't going to get there. And... Oh, and you know what? I'm gonna reverse what I said. I think the Sixes aren't gonna get there. I'm picking Thunder, Stars, Strikers, Scorchers, Renegades to go through, and I'm picking Thunder and Stars and Strikers as my top three. That's as far as I'm, I'm <laughs> willing to predict now, and I'll I'll stand by that as to how informed I am as this season goes along. How about you guys? Uh, I'm gonna to go top of the table will be the
2: Stars. It's my it's my punt for now, and I think the bottom will be Canes. And similar to Alistair, people not making it through. Canes, Sixers, and Heat. That's
0: my punt. I think I think the Strikers are going to be my third team with the Hurricanes and the Sixers not to make it. I think the Strikers are going to have another disappointing year.
1: Huge call. I had a disappointing year last year. They so did. And yeah. I reckon,
0: I don't want to be biased, but I reckon the Thunder will end up on top. Just Ozzy, Ozzy being there for all the games as long as he doesn't get injured. He nearly did his knee the other night. Yeah. If he doesn't get injured, then I reckon he can lead them again.
1: Well, look, regardless of what happens, we've do, we've got a very, very different lineup of top teams for BBL 09 that we've had in the past. But for now, that's where we're going to love you and leave you. We'll see you again in the in the new year as we reflect on week two, and we'll hopefully have some more exciting guests joining us on the show. Uh, but for now, Merry Christmas. See you later. Peace. <laughs>